Welcome to episode 23 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure podcast. We have a very special guest for you podcast listeners, uh, outdoor adventure enthusiasts. Hey, Craig. Hey, mate. Yeah. That's a little bit, that's a bit deceitful. I'm not really a special guest. You should probably just play the music, mate. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps, track your location, even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian super fine merino wool base, mid and top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. G'day guys, how you doing? This is a very unusual situation here, but uh, I think we're all in unusual situations at the moment. Um, I'm sitting, I mean, let me paint a picture here, Craig, you, you saw it on the, on the screen when I first, uh, jumped on to yep. this call. Yep. I'm <laughs> literally jammed underneath a, uh, my kid's bunk bed. Uh, and I had to adjust the chair down because my head was touching the bunk. <laughs> he, he's got this desk under here, which is perfect. And I won't go into detail, but. Uh, I had to take this room because it was the quietest in the house and I get away from everybody. But I'm surrounded, absolutely surrounded by um, Lego. There's Harry Potter Lego right next to me, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> if I get bored bored with all the stuff you're saying, Craig, I'll yeah. just be in my own world here. <laughs> yeah. there's, a squid, there's a Squidditch um, game going on here. So Perfect. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called, isn't it? Looked like you're in a cupboard, man. Well, yeah, it was. Um, it's very similar feeling to that. Mm. I'm jammed in here, but um, yeah, obviously, Craig and I had plans to get out a couple of days ago and try and bring this to you guys from the outdoors. But uh, you know, things happen, and we didn't quite get out there. I was a bit busy with work and stuff, but um, now we've got more sort of. Severe lockdowns. Uh, it's not really appropriate for me to to drive to Craig's house and hang out in his um, in his studio with him. Given that we both got uh, families, we're trying to keep healthy and all of that. So I didn't really want to um, dwell on the COVID nineteen thing too much, mm. but I will say I will say this that. Um, the reason that we haven't uh, done a podcast for a while is not purely because of because of the virus. Um, we pushed it pretty hard moving up to to the end of the year. We squeezed in um, quite a few episodes in that last two months and really sort of earned a little break there. We had intentions of coming back around late January, I guess, and um, then uh, the whole bushfire thing happened mm. and. Whilst I'm not going to 
you know, try and make out that Craig and I were directly uh, affected by that. It definitely affected where we hiked and, well, in fact, it completely stopped that 100% because even places that were open, I wasn't comfortable knowing the area so well. I wasn't comfortable with going into any of those places because I knew they were damn hard to get out of if the wind was blowing the wrong way. So it just wasn't worth the risk. Um, add on top of that, you know, um, you know, some not so good family news and things that we've had to deal with ourselves. And we're, we're all of a sudden in this, in this strange situation. But, um, as I said, I don't want to dwell on it, but I, but I did want to make this point that I considered potentially not, uh, continuing. I wouldn't say not continuing, but maybe just giving this podcast a rest, because I didn't want to, to any way come across as that we're not taking this seriously or that um, we're we're kind of making light of the situation. And then a few days ago, after I think it was after a conversation with Craig, I thought to myself, it would be wrong not to go ahead and do this because now more than ever, people are stuck in in their homes and you know craving. Uh, you know some sort of content and yeah we can't um, we can't all go hiking I know there's different restrictions through different states and countries around the world and we do literally have listeners across the entire globe uh, and I know some of those will be stuck indoors in fact I know for a fact that um, our old mate Jodes is um, somewhere in the middle of a of a of a quarantine so um that's when it kind of sunk in. I thought, hang on, there's a bit of a duty there to um, dust off the old mics and and deliver something. Now, whether that is two Australian idiots talking about something that they don't know or not, well, that's up to you guys. That's I'm not going to make that judgment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and before I uh, so that that's unless you want to add anything to that the COVID thing, Craig. Um, there's only really one other point I want to make, but is there anything you want to add, mate? Oh, no, man. Look, it's it's going to change the way we have to do things, and um, you know we're we're all taking it pretty seriously over here. I think um, it's on a light on the lighter note, mate. I've got a nice cozy studio all to myself tonight. You know, we don't have to. I don't yeah. have to deal with you in the studio at the moment. I get to. I, I'm actually in your chair. This is true. I'm in your chair. This is true. <laughs> I'm. Uh, oh, really? I'm using your microphone. Oh wow! So you're probably gonna have to buy there's a new word. one. Yeah. Yeah, there's words I want to say, but I can't say them <laughs> on air um, about you being a cheat <laughs> or other my microphone cheating on me. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was it was weird to think of us um, doing this as we are, you know, in different parts of the country, mate. But um... it, it was inconceivable. I mean, it, it was one of those things I I really enjoy. Uh, getting in the car, coming over to your place at some ridiculous hour at night because we've got to wait until it, kids are in bed and everything and then getting the time in the studio and then having a good laugh and, you know, we have a good catch-up at the same time. So it's really different to be on the end of the line. I, I know how the guests feel now, mate. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you how they feel. They feel like bloody kings. <laughs> oh, they feel so like royalty. That's it, mate. They feel awesome. like they're well looked after. Yeah. Uh, the, the only other one thing I wanted to add is, um, it, you know, I just want everyone to be safe out there. And 
we all love hiking right outdoors canoeing whatever it is you're all here for the same reason that's why we do the podcast that's why you're listening the the only point i'm going to make is uh, every country has different restrictions follow the rules do the right thing but there's one thing to consider and this i've certainly taken this into consideration with my plans is if you were to get into any kind of trouble out there uh, I mean, just simple things, just a mechanical injury. You 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 trip down, uh, you trip over a boulder, and you've you've sprained your ankle, and you literally can't walk. What you are going to be doing is, well, first of all, you could be waiting a very long time, depending on what country you're in. You could be waiting a very long time for help. Secondly, they're going to be deploying um, medical staff uh, and search and rescue staff potentially to come and get you that could be utilized elsewhere so that's the only consideration i want people to take and that's something that i've i've definitely kept in my head when i've been making decisions uh so yeah i don't want to dwell on it on it this this podcast is not about that this podcast is about uh having a having a really good laugh we've got plenty of stuff to catch up on with you guys um so yeah should we should we keep on cruising craig and leave that yeah sure man. Dust? yeah sure yeah. keep rolling good, that's good, good. good so yeah um, look so many people reached out to us um i don't bother telling you about it craig because you, you don't really care about our listeners so i just don't bother telling <laughs> you but um so many people <laughs> reached out to us over uh just over every medium uh when the bushfires hit People were emailing us. They were hitting us up. They were DMing us uh, on Instagram, um, sending us uh, private emails. Uh, it was just really, really fantastic. I was, um, I was overwhelmed. There's some beautiful messages came through. Uh, you know, people genuinely checking in. And then, of course, there was us being off air for some time. And I think the two married up, and everyone got a bit concerned. You know, obviously because we spend so much time outdoors. They they probably considered uh, that, but um, I'm not going to dwell on it now. When we jump over to shout outs later on, I'll, I'll read a couple of things out. Um, there's a bit of good stuff in there. Yeah, cool. Uh, but as for news, um, I wanted to I wanted to hit a few kind of happy things because, well, first of all, we all need it, right? Yeah, sure, man. And second of all. Well, let me. I'm actually. I'm literally scrolling through my notes now, making sure that I didn't put some morbid story in there. Because <laughs> I'm. I could. Sometimes I do that. You do. Uh, no, no, no. This is good stuff. Okay, so out of the bushfire disaster over here, natural disaster. So many good stories came out of that. Uh, I know it was devastating. It was devastating for for people. It was devastating for property and and animals, uh, plants, everything. Right. Um, but there's a couple of cool stories, Craig. And I'm wondering if you did catch any of these. There was first of all, there was an absolutely amazing video that somebody shot on their iPhone of these four drives, literally driving into this lake. No. So it was kind of like, a, yeah, it's incredible. So it's a shallow bed lake, probably sandy bottom or something, you know, not not like a muddy, deep thing. And uh, the this fire was coming over the ridge 
and the smoke was getting thicker and it was coming down towards their campsite. So these people are out camping for the weekend, not really. You know, they, could, they could have been a long way away from the fire when they first set up camp on the Friday night or the Saturday morning, but at some point this has moved in on them. And then a couple of four-wheel drives, I can't remember how many, but just started to drive into the lake and drive um, right out into the lake and they all just sat there wow. filming back at their campsites. <laughs> and that uh, yeah, was pretty cool, uh, pretty amazing footage. And they all were, you know, hundred percent fine. Yeah, uh, it it just came and went quickly. So that, yeah, that was pretty cool. I'll I'll put a link up to that. There's there's an article I found. Uh, all I mean, all this is is really old news now, but it, it doesn't take away from the fact that it was pretty damn cool. Oh, there was some am- the other- amazing. Uh, footage and stories and stuff that we we saw on the news. Hey, and you you just it was huge. Some of those walls of fire. Hey. Scary. Oh, it was enormous. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. So my um my relatives live about fifty minutes from here, and the footage coming out of that place. We we already um actually I put a link up to that footage uh, in a previous episode because we did talk about the fires, mm. and it was it just looked like snow except it was um, embers going across the road. It was oh, incredible. Mm. But um, stop, Craig. Stop talking about the negative stuff, mate. I've, I right. told you I wanted right. to stay on the positive side of it. <laughs> Bring it. So, so this other, another story that came out of that was uh, a lot of native animals were, in a sense, um, cut off from uh, escaping or or the land that they were on had been burnt out, burnt out and so it had no nutritional value to a large number of the animals. Uh, so... What they were doing was they were flying over these planes and they're literally just pouring out thousands of uh, kilograms of carrots and potatoes. <laughs> it was awesome, man. <laughs> so, it was awesome. There's these such good photos. Oh, really? Of, uh, oh, yeah. There's such good photos of this. You know, like one of those big, um, yeah, like a military yeah, plane, uh, fast and furious, fast and furious <laughs> planes where you drive the car <laughs> yes. out of the back. It's like that, except the dudes throwing crates of carrots out the back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and um, and then there's pictures of the animals on the ground, um, chomping on the carrots and stuff. So, <laughs> I, I, I that was just such a unique idea. I'd never even considered how to kind of distribute that much food but yeah that 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 must have gone down really well for the animals i reckon who were struggling to get um nutrition from from uh you know leaves and and plants and roots that were normally there yeah so yeah oh that's pretty that's pretty cool and um if you are a new listener to the podcast you may not be aware that for each episode i do up a page of show notes you can find that on com forward slash podcast, if my memory serves me correct. And uh, you'll be able to go through and find any of the links I'm talking about. If I'm talking about a news article or a video or even if I'm talking about a book or whatever, uh, I'll throw links on there and images on there uh, so that you can go and reference it later. Normally, people listen to us when they're – working out or driving long distances or flying or anything. But in this case, you're probably sitting at your laptop already and you can just look up this cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, here's another, here's another um, 
I've actually, oh, I've got so many feel good stories out of the fires, Craig. I've done well. You have. That's really good. Myself. Yeah. I thought you'd be impressed. I'm going to have a sip of water. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's Stay it, hydrated. It's going to be a long night. Mate, that's a good twist on this is to bring some stories that are actually feel good. I, I really appreciate that, mate. I I have missed the fact that we haven't been chatting for a little while on on this podcast because you always bring the goods and it's it's always good listening to what you've been researching. So, yeah, bring it on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And it's hilarious because you can't, you can't sneak a peek at my notes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you never show me, man. You never show yeah, me. I know. I never do, but I always try and hide them. Yeah. Put up the piece of paper in between us like we're doing an exam or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Dinosaur trees. That's what we're talking about now. <laughs> Dinosaur trees. Firefighters save endangered Willemi pines uh, from New South Wales bushfires. As specifically, no, that's not correct. A specially deployed team. I reckon that's a typo. That should be a specific. That sounds better. Let, <laughs> let me rewrite the article on the spot, tell you the headline I would have had a specifically deployed team right. yep. of. Uh, Highly trained assassins. That's incorrect. I've added that. Uh, <laughs> they send to a remote. They send remote area firefighters, and they help save trees from the giant mountain fire. So you you can't appreciate this until you actually go and have a look on the uh, the article that I'm going to post. But if I had to describe it, I'm describing a an almost kind of gorge with very, very high walls, but very, uh, very vertical, okay? Um, so it's not a gradual thing. You, you'd never be able to just walk down into this gorge. The photograph they've shown, obviously, from a plane or a drone, all the tops of all of these ridges are burnt to a crisp. They're all black and they're brown and the trees are all, uh, the leaves are already suffering. And then when you look down into this, uh, it's kind of a T junction of sorts. There's a lush, there's a lush canopy of um, of treetops down in this gorge, and so you know, going back to the article, what they did was uh, they they quite literally send out these badass firefighters to go down and make sure that they do not lose this one pocket of trees. These trees are so unique and so well guarded that they uh, they actually don't um, give the location out, and only, you can only go there uh, if you apply for. You know, you have to go there. You have to be sort of a botanical person or a scientist or something to be allowed to even go there. It's a little bit of a really well kept secret. Certainly, the first time I'd ever heard of it, mm. but really interesting. So there's um, fewer than 200 of these trees left in the wild and the government said they had to do everything they could to save them, mm. um, just describing it as an unprecedented environmental protection mission. Mission, Craig, <laughs> was a freaking mission. Jeez. Yep, as the fire approached, helicopters water bucketed the fire edge to reduce its impact on the grove of trees. Wow. Incredible. Incredibly cool, and there's a picture of the uh, specialist team, mm. and he's checking out a leaf. 
and he seems pretty happy with himself that he saved the trees. Sounds like they did it. Sounds like they oh, did it, eh? They did it, mate. They did it. They've. Uh, there will be no Hollywood movie made about it, sadly, but it's worthy. Let me tell you. That was dinosaur trees. Are you ready for more yet? Yeah, mate. Totally. Go for it. Okay, good. You ready? Okay, good. Here's one. Now, how many times do I give you news, Craig, and sometimes you've got your own, Yeah. and it's about people getting lost. Mm -hmm. It's about people needing to get rescued because they don't follow what we would consider to be simple uh what would you say like just a checklist to let people know where you're going stick to it and uh give you know give people times and dates and all this sort of stuff so i won't go on about that because people are sick of me talking about it but what i will tell you about is this amazing story that again comes out of the um, australian bushfires there's this couple josh and kate and they were heli evacuated um, from the wilderness. It's it's called um, the Jang Jagungal, I believe. Jagungal wilderness area. Um, mm. It's in the Blue Mountains. So they these guys are hardcore cyclists. They've got these massive. Um, uh, mountain bikes and they've got all their gear on it and they basically ride everywhere they were planning uh in i think in their words a leisurely 160 kilometer ride over five days through the blue mountains down all the trails hmm. so they're not and and these guys are super experienced right they've they've done plenty before this is not their first rodeo and what happened was they started to, as they were riding along, there's, there's a couple of photographs that they've submitted to this article. The sky just went r- kind of this rich, dark red color. And as he was sort of saying in the article, it just looked like he, he could see his own shadow on the ground and then it kind of disappeared. And he thought it was, um, he felt like he was riding into Armageddon and really? they wondered if they were going to die. Jeez. Yeah. Then, it, so he goes into a lot of detail about that. It's a pretty cool little read. And then he says, that's when we heard the chopper. It began to circle around us. I immediately felt relieved. They spotted us easy, easily. Uh, so <laughs> this is funny. He says here, Kate, obviously his partner. Kate, however, had just finished boiling water and filling our backcountry meal. Our backcountry meal is a dehydrated uh, meal brand in Australia. Her initial thought was that she was getting busted for using the jet boil. (laughs) 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 Uh, That's pretty funny. Anyway, the the moral of this story, and it even has a, a chapter called, a segment called The Moral of the Story. Josh filled out a trip intention form before they went on to this trip. And this is one available through, it's one of the states in Australia for our international listeners. So uh, 
New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service. I'm not aware of anything uh, in our state and um, I certainly don't know anything about the rest of the world, but you basically go onto this uh, online form and you fill out your name, your address, uh, all of your details when you are starting the trip, which trail you're taking, uh, you know, estimated time, start times, finish times, exit points, where you're going to park your car, and then and then there's obviously a section for whatever else you want to put in there, mm. all your contact details and everything. So it's pretty cool. So you fill all of this out, and then that's on record. Now, what happened in this situation? And quite possibly what saved these guys' life is they filled out one of these trip intention forms online and they had no idea that the fire was coming towards them at all until the the sky started to get quite dark, right? So that's what you got to take into consideration. They were a long, long way from the fires. They certainly weren't doing anything silly because they later learned that the fires travelled 50 kilometres in one day. Uh, so that you know, that's quite quite a considerable amount of um, country that that's that's covered. But what the uh, authorities knew was exactly where they were going to be, which two points they were going to be between the two campsites, and decided that the speed at which this fire was moving, they were going to get down there and intercept this this pair and and helivac them out. So. Oh, that's just a fantastic story. And if 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 ever, uh, watch that cough, mate. And if ever you needed, I knew it was going to happen tonight. <laughs> um, people don't know that you that you spark up the wacky weed every time we get on air. That's what it is. Yeah, just being busted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Where was I? Yeah, fantastic example of someone doing the right thing and, you know, quite literally their lives getting saved. Uh, none of the none of the rescue party was in danger because they knew exactly where to look for these people. They found them first go. So, But can I, I that was- pick you up on that, man? Because obviously we didn't really know about this um, trip um, trip record that they filled in i mean i've not heard of that before and immediately when there were lots of bushfires i started going to that place where i went there must be lots of people out on trails that could be and no one is going to know how to warn them or or whatever so i think it's it's amazing that not too many people who were bushwalkers or whatever were um identified on the news as being caught up uh, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, look, I think most people; these guys were already into their trip, uh, yeah, yeah, a five-day trip, you know. So it wasn't it wasn't just easy for them if they're halfway through a hundred and sixty-kilometer trip. It's not easy for them to just bail because there's nowhere to bail. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit different if you're half a day's walk into something and you decide to turn around and go home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that definitely. Uh, I didn't hear any news of anyone um, having any trouble out there, and I think that's because Australians have a pretty good respect for bushfires. Yep. We've all kind of grown up with this sort of thing. Yeah, we know how serious it is, and we just stay away for a few weeks, and everything comes good. They yep. all simmer down. We finally got rain, and that's exactly what happened here. We got. 
rain dumped on us for two weeks straight and um, you know people were celebrating that uh, they were putting the fires out so we yeah that's kind of how we sit things out surprises me why we're not better at sitting other things out but yeah. i'm not going to go into that <laughs> uh okay craig what if are, are you scared of sharks oh yeah yep yeah okay <laughs> no <Right>. doubt no doubt <laughs> Well, it's a good thing that you don't spend much time in the ocean, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about them. No. It's not like they walk or anything, is it? No. No. Well, <sighs> National Geographic. Listen to this. Listen to this for a uh, intro, Craig. Yeah. Sharks have roamed the world's oceans for hundreds of millions of years. In that time, many species have barely changed. But some strange sharks are still evolving and have even learned to walk. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> True story, man. Sounds like a Do bad not... movie, mate. <laughs> it sounds like a terrible <laughs> flick. It does. Do not go to Papua New Guinea, okay. Craig. Okay? Because that okay. is all of your fears wrapped into one. Uh, if you go swimming, there's sharks. If you don't go swimming, there's sharks. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. The leopard, uh, the leopard. Oh, I can't say the word. It's too crazy. Epaulette shark uh, is a species of walking shark found in coral reefs in the Mill Bay, Milne Bay region of eastern Papua New Guinea. Yeah, how cool is that? Three foot long, long enough to take a foot off. Right. That's that's plenty long enough. And as their name implies, they move their pectoral fins in front and pelvic fins in the back to plod along the seafloor or even atop coral reefs outside of the water at low tide. Jeez. It allows them to wriggle between tide pools in different areas and reach uh, yeah, the top of reefs where they can get prey that's um, normally... Not accessible to other fish on low tide. Freaky. How cool is that? That's yeah, man. I'm, I'm not. There's a video of it. Okay, yeah, I watched the video. Yeah. I, I, I scare easily, but um, <laughs> luckily they're not going to be walking around where I walk. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, they're not, not yet. They're not freshwater yet. They not yet. Involved. Oh, what's this bit? Oh. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, the the uh, it looks quite cute in the top photograph. But then when you go down to the video and you see it from the side on, yeah, it's pretty kind of brutal looking thing. It's striped like a anaconda sort of thing. Yeah, nice. Anyway, <laughs> walking sharks. Lots of our listeners are going to have dreams tonight. Yeah, <laughs> horrific dreams. Oh. Uh, all right, have I got some uplifting stuff for you right now? There was a video somebody showed to me this week and it's called Sensing Science. And what they did was they took a Japanese biology class uh, out of the classroom on their very first lesson. That doesn't sound all that unique. But the entire class is visually impaired. Mm. And... Through this video, you see them take these kids to this, uh, I shouldn't call them kids, they're teens, whatever, students to um, this 
park or this green area and they they take them up to this tree trunk and get them to all touch the tree trunk and immediately their their voices just light up and their faces light up with massive smiles and the banter between them mm. is just terrific like they just start saying things that are so accurate but at the same time we take them for granted because we can visually see the bark but they were touching their bark and saying wow i can't believe how straight the lines are on the bark of this tree or how rough it is or how this it is and and oh this leaf feels like uh it's um it's a bit shriveled up and the teacher says well yeah it's um it's a it's um you know that leaf's dying and they go wow i can't believe it and this leaf feels like it's it's um full of water and she goes yeah well that that's a leaf in good condition and it was absolutely amazing to hear these kids will mm. uh well you can hear them they speak japanese but read the subtitles <laughs> yeah uh it was it was fantastic to read uh what they were saying wow. and it it immediately made me think of my kids because he said um, he tagged me because at the moment for the last two weeks I've been homeschooling my kids and on I think the second day or something of homeschooling I took them down to our little nature reserve at the end of the street and they were sketching pictures of um, you know certain trees and stuff that they wanted to then come back and research and write about later as just a little project mm. and so he kind of sent me that as a as a bit of a joke and said oh look it's something you could do and i thought well why not wouldn't that be cool to mm. to um get the kids to close their eyes or blindfold them and then get them to use their other senses to touch the tree trunk or some leaves or whatever it might be and then kind of describe it and try and try and use those other senses. It's pretty cool. Made me think a lot. Yeah, well, it's great to hear that they, they appreciate it without the visual sense because that's. Oh, they were loving it, mate. Yeah. Loving it so much. Yeah. And uh, they took a, some leaves and stuff back to the uh, back to the classroom and then continued to 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 kind of compare notes and everything. And these kids are handing around leaves to each other and saying and. Mm. rubbing it on the on their cheeks sort of thing to to feel the um the shapes of the leaves and the, yeah it was cool it's it's really good I'll I'll post that video it's a little article that goes with it and it was just something really positive that came across this week yeah nice mm. yeah Am I, I guess doing all right? You're doing good, man. You're doing great. I mean, yeah, that one, that, that, yeah. no, that one was just just cruising in onto me, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, we go out there to, and we appreciate it. I I think we appreciate what we can see, um, or how it feels to be like lugging heavy heavy packs up a hill or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's more to it if it's just a, just a feeling, an emotional um, attachment to something. I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely something to be said about, and I know. You know, I've experienced this a little bit through meditations many, many years ago. When you, if you turn off one, one of your senses, and that, you know, obviously the easiest one 
for us to turn off is is eyesight, just closing our eyes. All of a sudden, uh, sometimes it doesn't happen instantly. You need to actually remember to use those other senses, but you definitely start to pick up a lot more. And you you know from spending so much time in the in the wilderness that it, the smells that go along with yeah. with uh, with hiking is is something pretty special as well. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I remember I was in, uh, you know, that big gorge that we, that we, oh, you haven't actually hiked up it. I've been up it a few times. Which one? Gold Coast. Oh, Kumara. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, was, was down there one night and, there was the, the the place just went crazy. There was frogs going crazy, and it was things jumping around everywhere. And mm. you know those big blue and white crayfish. Oh, for sure. Yep, yep. Yeah, about probably about the some of them would easily be. <sighs> They're amazing. Um, the, the from the tip of your longest finger down to your wrist, easily, easy. uh, if not bigger. And these things were crawling around on the ground at night. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, and I and I have done it since then. But this, I particularly remember this night because I thought I just want to go for a wander around, and I deliberately took my shoes and socks off and just walked around. And all the boulders had moss on them, and I just walked around and you know walked down the dirt path and skipped across some boulders and. I had a head torch, so I was able to watch little frogs jumping around. And but sometimes I'd turn it off and just listen for a minute, and it was really a heightened sense of uh, of of seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, like everything. It was really cool. I recommend that. Maybe just be careful when there are giant crayfish walking around. You get your shoes off. <laughs> I did think of that later on. I thought, wow, I'm glad one of those didn't get a hold of me. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Oh, this is a perfect segue. Things cruising around in the bush, Craig. I do not know how I stumbled across this. I think that YouTube got the algorithm right for me. The title of the video was Pennsylvania Man. And I still include this in news because – I don't think it's quite uh, worthy of going into my uh, other segment that shall remain nameless for now. (laughs) Pennsylvania man captures all walks of life crossing log bridge. This guy went and set up a trail cam uh, at this log that went across this little stream. Obviously the log has fallen down, the tree's fallen down over the stream Mm -hmm. and it's become a little bit of a highway uh, you know, for obvious reasons, for a lot of small animals uh, to get across there. But he leaves it there, or at least he goes back and checks it and gets data off it. And it's it's out there for a whole year. So it goes through all the seasons. And the video doesn't go for a year, just to be clear. <laughs> it, it's just Good. a few, few minutes, thankfully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> The uh, the wildlife is fantastic. 
Yeah. It is the coolest video. I could not wait to see what was going to pop up next. Not just what was going to pop up next, but what it was going to do because the the things these animals were doing when they didn't know they were on camera was just so cool. Really cool. And, uh, you know, and the, and the weather changed, obviously. There was sometimes the log was submerged. And you'd see the animals come halfway across it and go, oh, geez, what, how am I going to get across this? And there's a fantastic clip of a little squirrel jumping across it. They are so unbelievably fast, Craig. Unbelievably fast. I don't even think this thing, I think it actually hit the water and bounced off the water. It was that quick. Yeah. Anyway, really cool. There's massive black bears crossing it. There's uh, a bobcat. Really? Uh, seems to be the same one that pops up um, quite a few times. And someone made a funny comment in the YouTube comments, actually. Someone said, because you see a black bear quite often, and she says, that's just the same black bear going back and forth to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> The commute's oh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, well, that's uh, but cool, there, man. There is a, that... yeah, it's really good. And there is actually, yeah, there's one bit where the, this black bear goes across and you think, oh, yeah, that's cool. And you can see it going through the long grass on the other side and you think, oh, okay, I wonder why these left this video. Then all of a sudden these, this face turns around into the camera and these jaws, like the, the, this another bear is following it and oh, right. has – sensed the camera when i say sensed i mean probably smelt human on it or something and it's had a look at the camera and it didn't look all that happy i think it was a bit um oh it's quite lucky that the camera didn't get ripped off the tree to be honest because they're quite inquisitive yeah yeah that was cool that's a Uh, cool video i think someone's told me about these awesome uh, trail cam videos i haven't really seen much but that sounds right up my alley dude because yeah, right. this is a good one. This is a good starter video, I reckon. So it only goes for about five minutes and it's packed. Oh, man, I'm glad you're going to pop that up. That's awesome. Oh, which which brings me to uh, my backtrack. When we went down and I took the kids down to, to the um, nature reserve down the end here, we were sitting there having snacks, sitting on a couple of logs having a snack. We looked back down the path. And there was a dingo just standing there looking at us, probably 20 meters away. Really? Just standing there, dead silent, ears pricked up, just staring at us. And my kids kind of went, oh, what do we do, Dad? <laughs> I think they um, were concerned it was it was making a move on us. And I just said to them, well, just, just you know, Stay there. So I, I mean, I had coincidentally grabbed a pretty big stick uh, for the walk anyway. So I was not worried about it at all. It was, um, if, if anybody's not familiar with dingoes, we're def- I'm definitely not going to sit here and try and say that uh, it's like a wolf or anything like that. It's more like a coyote or a coyote, as you may say, in your homeland. Mm. Uh, yeah, quite small, pretty scrawny. Uh, they're definitely not a solid, a solid dog, but nonetheless, it was absolutely fantastic to see. So we sat there and just were really quiet and watched it. 
And over the period of 20 minutes while we were taking our break, it did almost a full 180-degree circle around us. And at all times, it was only really ever 20 to 30 metres away. And then it was just, you know, the strange thing about it, Craig, is it had so many uh, dog traits that we're familiar with from having domesticated dogs and it was just the way it moved and the way it looked at us every now and then i thought this thing looked so excited that i wanted to come and and for me to throw a stick for it you know what i'm saying it was so inquisitive i didn't have, and didn't, uh, didn't have a collar did it tom no no yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a, it was um a poodle <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome Had, yeah, no, it was, was it, it was like because you know you know that in australia they say there's only one place where you can get the real uh, authentic ones is on fraser island right that's yeah because they're on they're untouched by um other dogs, dogs so. lions. yeah no this thing mate was pretty authentic so oh, it was so authentic yeah absolutely yeah. it was it was i i know my dingoes pretty well and this thing was a was postcard dingo like it would have fitted in yeah uh on with the fraser crew it was pure yeah, cool. and wow. yeah it was incredible jumped up on a log walked along this log sat there watching us jump back yeah. down walked a bit further sat down behind this stump just peeking over it so you mean on that nature walk- reserve near your place where you walk that not where not- i try where yeah. i go trail running oh yeah, really yeah not right yeah, up at the Sheep Creek, not not right up there, Sheep Station. Sheep Station Creek. Oh, yeah, it's through the there. Yeah, right. Yeah, and at the end of my street, yeah. Was there any others there or was it just on its own? Just one, no. Yeah. It's just by itself. I did kind of keep an eye out to see if if there was a, a pack sort of yeah. off in the distance. But no, it was definitely flying solo. Wow. But it was extremely inquisitive. And hmm. um, yeah, it, it ended up laying down in the grass watching us from 20, 30 metres away. Yeah, right. Um, and eventually it, it hopped up and kind of got bored and, and uh, went on its way. But I, I honestly didn't know they were in this this area. There's no way if if, uh, if anyone told me, I wouldn't have believed them. But, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I got a cool little video of it too on my phone. <laughs> oh, really? Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, lots of wild dogs out there, but that that sounds like um, the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, this this guy was uh, it was beautiful actually. Good to see. Hmm. All right, man. Gear talk. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what, I've only got one thing. What do you it like? Takes a bit. Well, it takes a bit to get me excited about gear these days because, uh, in my opinion, there's a lot of gimmicky hiking stuff you know what i'm saying okay yep yep yeah there's just a lot of things that, that you don't really need so people are trying to invent new stuff or they're, they're trying to reinvent the wheel there's things that exist that are already perfectly good and i don't mind people um having a crack at improving something but anyway that's my rant i'm going to stop so <laughs> this is something again we've already seen before but have you ever heard of k-bar they make pretty kick-ass knives right yep okay yeah almost like yeah tactical sort of stuff i guess yeah um so k-bar have made a tactical spork 
(laughs) 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 It's pretty, it's something that uh, if you were interviewing, if you're a police officer and you're interviewing Jason Bourne, yeah. It's yeah. the last thing that you would want on the table in between the two of you would really? be this K bar tactical sport. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you strap it to your <laughs> ankle, man? <or> what? <laughs> oh, mate, it, it is a beast. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, um, the knife is screwed into the handle of the fork or the spork, rather. Uh, so if you're just eating uh, dehydrated food or whatever, it's just a quite a long-handled, thick-handled too, uh, spork, and it, it's relatively lightweight. It's made of some high-density polymer plastic or whatever. I'm no expert in plastics, but I watched a few reviews on it. And it's it's pretty uh, like it's 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 tough, tough stuff, and it's got a cool little grip and everything. So it's a really good spork. Then if you did ever need to cut something, uh, it's got a serrated knife, so you unscrew half of this thing and you end up with a mini knife. And the knife is only short, but it's brutal. It it looks, like I said, somebody could take somebody out with it. And uh, what's what's, uh, even cooler is when it's all screwed together, uh, even that in itself, would be a pretty lethal kind of uh, weapon. So I thought, you know, that's not bad. I mean, I'm, I mean, I carry knives anyway. It doesn't matter, but it's not a bad thing to be kind of sitting there eating your, eating your meal and knowing that at any second you can launch into a, into a choreographed martial arts attack with your spork and, you know. That's perfect for you, poke, mate. That... Poke someone into the temple or something. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm glad you brought that, man. That's perfect for you, I reckon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I haven't bought it. No, I'm just I've been I just only only did, I will buy it though. Yeah, and yeah. I'll bring it along. And it's so funny. I'll I'll have to take some photos. Yeah, I think I think that's one. That's something I'll purchase. And I I just completely contradicted myself by saying I don't like things that are a gimmick and reinventing the wheel and that's exactly what this thing is all of those (laughs) sounds a bit like it but but... uh, yeah i'm not gonna say it's a gimmick this is a weapon i'm buying a weapon that doubles as my eating utensils what's the thing is uh two is one and one is none (laughs) got to be able to do more than than two things for me these days and uh yeah this, this is good Hey Tom, uh, can I yeah, yeah, yeah. can I tell you what I'm I'm lining up for and about to to click on and I just I just thought I'd run some a couple of questions past you as well and maybe yeah maybe... some kind of a, a skirt or something <laughs> a kilt a kilt no it's not uh, okay uh, speaking of cooking outdoors right um, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the bush buddy, which is a small stove that you sort of stock up with just tinder that you find and you're, you're able to just. I don't know what that particular brand is. Let me just Google it. Google uh, it. I, I th- for you guys, we normally, you know, obviously Craig and I are usually in the, oh yeah. Okay. That, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Uh, Craig and I are usually in the studio together. So we do quite often show each other stuff on the screen. Yeah, uh, which makes life easier. But right now, see, I, I'm I just think looking at this, Damo's got something like this, and then you, 
I don't think you do have something like this, but I just, no. I've got two questions. Like with Australian national parks, you can't have a naked flame. Is that right? Or you can't have a fire? But Well, I mean, our stoves are technically a naked flame, but uh, w- when you start using stuff and, and if I can just explain it to the listeners, it's a little sort of a, is it titanium or stainless? It looks like titanium. Yeah. Little, uh, is, if anyone's seen that bio, what's that called? That bio stove? I think it's oh, called yep. bio stove. Yep. The one that can actually charge your, your mobile phone while you're putting little twigs in it and stuff. Yep. Uh, it's similar to that in some ways. A little um, it's a canister little, and you feed yeah. sticks into it, I'm assuming. It's really lightweight. It's lighter than what we carry for a stove and you can um, yeah. feed it with, with little twigs and stuff, but it takes it does take a lot longer to, to bring a boil yeah. in. And, and then there's the, the risk of some environmental impact plus potentially, uh, speaking of bushfires, you know, is it is it something that we're allowed to use in Australia? And what about when there is a fire ban? I think you can still use your stoves, but what about this thing? You know yeah, it would, this would definitely be out. out. If there's a fire ban, definitely out. Yeah, right. just a legitimate thing. What's but, worse about this is uh, you got to, got to think about the when you finish using your stove and you let it cool down, you fold it up and put it away. I'm, sorry, I'm talking about a traditional gas stove. Uh, with this, you're going to have that canister is going to have some embers still in it. Mm. Uh, so you, there's there's a little bit more cleanup and a little bit more yeah. care. Yeah. To be taken, and think about some of the places we go. Well, for starters, and I know, I know, I'm I'm being over, overly picky here, but as we know, you're not meant to. All the sticks and everything on the ground are, are eventually going to end up as mulch and uh, leaf litter and stuff for the for plants. So you're kind of taking that away, and and as I said, you're only using a tiny amount, but. Hmm. It depends how strict you want to be. And the other thing is I've, I've heard really horror stories of, uh, you know, say, for example, you you buried the the embers and you poured water on them and you thought they were done. I've heard horror, horror stories of that. Is it called um, perma, the perma layer or something? It's basically the layer underneath the leaf litter and it kind of, you think it's dirt. But what it is is actually a, a really high quality uh, decomposed leaf litter, and it and it has that really clean soil feel. Uh, and the worst thing that can happen in rainforests is when that actually gets heat into it, and catches fire underneath the right. rainforest floor, and it can travel sideways. All right. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't turn into a bushfire because it's a rainforest. But what it does is it kills. It kills everything underground. Oh, true. So yeah, I don't mean to. I don't mean to crap on your um, idea. <laughs> um, I thought there'd be some issues with it. It's um, a novel way to do it. I really think it would be fun to kind of be able to have like this little fun. fire totally you've got to fun. tend to, and um, a bit of skill involved, which you know, I've, yeah. I'm, I'm limited with skill, but it would be something to work on. And I think I'm going to get one. And apparently this bush buddy's the one to get, um, but I could be wrong on that. So if anyone else wants to comment and say, yeah, that's the, that's the one to get or not. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have a go at it, but I, I just think it's going to have issues with when we can use it. Oh, absolutely. If you if you wanted to get down to the really technical, that I don't even think that would be allowed in a national park in mm, Australia. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I think I should. Because it's because it's not a gas canister. Yeah. Uh, It's definitely not. I mean, you think about the times, and I agree. An open fire is is the finest thing in the world. Yeah. It's nothing better than sitting around here and it crackling, and even little twigs in there would be fun. Yeah. Uh, when I think about the, the times when we've been getting smashed by storms, weather we didn't expect, rain we didn't expect, and we just make it through by uh, mm. getting a hot drink yeah. on the boil quickly, getting that hot water into our dehydrated meal. Uh, and sometimes, I mean, I've even put that dehydrated meal pack back into my up my jacket yeah. to keep keep me warm while um yeah, while we're right. waiting. Yeah, so they... yeah, that, I think you're kind of taking away that the sim not the simplicity, but the uh, the speed at which you can get water to the boil and then get it in your belly. Yeah, the crux trumps it all the time, man. It's just the way to go for for what we want. But uh, yeah, it's just a different way to do it. Sure. No, it's fun. I'd I'd have something like that that I'd, you know, if I went out to a mm. private property, something like that would be really fun to take. Yeah, for sure. Where you don't have those restrictions. All right, that's all I had on my list, man. Oh, it's interesting, man. You'll have to um, let me just put that in uh, my notes here to include that uh, some info on that in the show notes if anyone wants to check it out. Yeah, and if I get one, I will get one. I'm going to get one. So we'll have, a, um, we'll have a test of it, dude. Sounds good. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to jump into, I'm going to jump into shout-outs now. Yes, that is exactly what I'm going to do. Where to start, though? Where to start? So much going on. Uh, something I did... Missed a little earlier. I did, I did want to say it. I did want to mention it earlier when I kind of introduced the show. But do you remember uh, a couple of episodes in a row? The listeners will remember we uh, promoted. It was a sponsor for two shows in particular, TripOutside.com. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, they. Uh, have started a, a Kickstarter for to build an app for their business. Um, bear with me here. So they sent me a message on Instagram and we were just chatting over that and she was telling me about uh, this, this uh, app that they're going to build for their business. This is not a sponsored ad, I am telling you right now. This is just I'll, – I'll get to the story. Now, they are, they've um, been doing this thing. And I thought, I wonder, I'll just check how it's going because they'd be more than happy to just mention it on here uh, just to let you know, you guys know that there is a Kickstarter going for that. When I went on to check how it was doing, I checked in the updates. If you're not familiar with Kickstarter, uh, the people that have raised the Kickstarter um, generally put regular updates in there. Now, Julie and Reet are the, the owners of this company, and and I've kind of through email back and forth, we've um, you know become you know, got to know each other a bit, become pretty pretty friendly through working together and collaborating, and I thought I would just check what was happening with the Kickstarter, as I said, and when I jumped on this update, 
they are actually um, stuck in India under complete lockdown. Uh, food is being delivered and nobody's allowed to leave their houses there. Um, really? So, yeah, they basically go on to say they, they just wanted to um, – let you know that they are safe and they, they hope everyone else is safe. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is I, I just wanted to I just wanted to send our regards to them and I just wanted to mm. to say hi to those guys. Um, I'm sure that they've got nothing better to do than listen to us, which is good. We've really got this audience cornered at the moment. <laughs> Captive. <laughs> I said I didn't want to make light of this, but uh, you know me. Uh, you gotta take take it easy sometimes. Wow. Uh, so yeah, guys, I, I I hope you guys are safe over there and continue to stay safe. And uh, w- you can just move on with things once everything simmers down. Jeez. Um, yeah. Interesting. Mm, yeah, that interesting. sounds sounds pretty serious. All the yeah. all, all the international borders are just gonna have big troubles for a long time, eh? Exactly right. Yeah. So. Hmm. Uh, I I will put um I'll put the link up to their Kickstarter anyway because yeah. it's quite interesting and I, I think I'm pretty sure it's still running. But I hope they're okay. Yeah, guys, we send our regards. Look after yourselves over there. All right, that was. I'm counting that as a shout out anyway. All right, Craig, you better be ready for this. I got some good stuff coming. I guess because it's been so long, we've had a lot coming in. Just going to jump onto my phone. Oh, there's a. I don't. I don't have. I don't have his real name. There is a guy from Belfast, Northern Ireland, and his uh, handle. So his name on on Podbean, where we host our. Podcast is AJH91, and he just sent a message straight up a month ago saying, men, when are you returning? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I actually, at the time, I said we're actually um, meant to be recording in the next week or or within the next fortnight. And then, uh, yeah, he said, um, see, I didn't know he was from Belfast, and then he wrote back and said, awesome news. Loving your work in Belfast. Uh, so I then had to write back to him a week ago and just say, "Hey, things are things have got a bit crazy, so we don't know when we're doing it." But uh, again, I apologise to everybody uh, for the delay. But I will also say thanks again to, to these people that have gone out of their way to check on us. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for my phone. While I do that, while I wait for my phone to load, here's a really good one. Uh, this is from Robin. Robin sent me an email that is so cool and it really did make me smile. And I just love hearing, you know, how far and wide this podcast goes. Robin and her partner and her two-year-old son moved from Belgium to Sweden and they have a, they took over a little, hotel in the countryside and she said that she came across our podcast last summer and 
looking for good port sorry good podcast to keep me entertained while I'm cleaning the rooms she said and then she says and I regularly died of laughter passing guests would look quite weirdly at me when I was in tears pretty hilarious <laughs> so <laughs> um, thanks so much for for sending that I really did laugh when I read that email and <laughs> I've I haven't responded yet. I apologize, Robin. I was actually going to write back uh, because the next comment that Robin made was, she says, anyway, as you both have kids and you've taken out them outdoors on many occasions, I was thinking it would be nice to hear more about your experiences on that matter. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you the truth, Robin. We were actually, our first episode back uh, a few weeks ago when we had first planned to do it was literally I was going to surprise Robin and say, hey, you know, we've come up with the goods. You've asked for it. We've done it. And we had planned to do our first episode back as as a hiking with kids uh, mm -hmm. episode. That's, the, that's true. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, 100%. So what we've done because of everything that's going on and, and we knew we'd have a lot to cover and catch up on, We've decided to postpone that one, that topic, probably until the next episode or at least in the next couple uh, so that we could just really focus on catching up with all of you guys on this episode and letting you know where everything stands and that we haven't permanently disappeared on you. So, Robin, again, thanks so much. I love it when people uh, go back to good old-fashioned emails and, and, uh, and tell us their stories. It's really cool. Glad you're enjoying it. She's you know what? She's probably laughing at. She's encouraging you, man. I don't know about she's that. She's encouraging. I know. You don't like it when people do that. <laughs> you know what I reckon she'd be laughing at? She'd be laughing when I try and speak um, Swedish <laughs> oh, yeah, true. on some of the episodes. That's what she'd be <laughs> laughing at. She didn't actually say that. All of a sudden, I'm not sure about this Robin. I'm thinking that she's laughing. She's in tears because of how... Yeah bad my swedish is yeah and she's just too polite in her email to say it yeah because your swedish sounds fine to me but oh hey I don't we had our um swedish. our swedish friend on our guest thomas and uh he thought uh, i sounded fantastic that's it again he i think he was too kind that guy that's it <laughs> <laughs> a little closer to home we we covered an article many months ago about do you remember Craig when I in the news I mentioned the light lighthouse to lighthouse walk? Yeah. And just to refresh your memory, they were talking about making it a more expensive walk with huts and then yep. basically that would limit access to the normal hiker like us. Well uh Mark a guy called Mark sent an email. He he definitely he says g'day to us on Instagram quite often. He's great. Uh, he's a bit closer to home, so he's in New South Wales, I believe, or Victoria. I always get these things wrong, and then I look at them later and made a fool of myself, but I don't care anymore. I just don't care. <laughs> uh, anyway, Mark's from a part of Australia, and he sent me a, a, a huge email, really cool, told me about some other place that he's visited or he's seen a similar issue occurring in the Alpine National Park. And 
yeah, we ended up getting in a, a kind of back and forth email chat about our thoughts on that one. And he also said that he was heard, heard us talking about Bo Miles. You remember Bo? I think it was the last episode, perhaps. Yeah. Yep. And he said there's another good Aussie YouTuber called Scotty's Gone Walkabouts. Sorry. Yeah. I'm with you now. Yep. And then Scotty's Gone Walkabouts, eh? Yeah. Have you, have you seen his stuff? No, no. Yeah. I'm sure I've, um, I should have, um, checked again. I'm sure I've seen it before and it's pretty good. So okay. he, he recommended that. And again, I love it when people are kind of taking the time to, to start up a conversation and, and give us recommendations because we certainly don't sit here um, pretending that we know everything. Yeah, but good. what I like about Mark as well is he's, I think his using, username's hiking for HHH and that's for health, habitat and humanity. Good on you, Mark. Very good. Thanks heaps for your message, mate. Excellent. Oh, I've got a really good one, Craig, but I'm saving that. Saving it. I'm not getting that one yet. Right, eh? Let me just quickly check what's happened here. Oh, our usual uh, suspects have been checking in. Mm-hmm. People like Joe. Joe Aker, he sent us a... Um, well, actually, he, he sent us a message... Uh, on the 4th January saying, sorry to hear about all the wildfires and hopes that, that we're safe and our families safe. And again, it's amazing the people reaching out to us so much appreciated. And then he sent, he was one of the recipients of, uh, the, um, Caribbean hat giveaway that I did. Oh, yep. Yep. And then he sent us a picture of him at the beach, um, with his hat on. Cool. Still, still rocking it, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, then we got another. Uh, oh, and who else? Is, yeah, Sean, Sean as well, mate. Thanks so much for your message on, on, on Facebook in our inbox as well. Again, Sean was checking up on us. He's one of our long-time listeners. But we got one here who is. Well, she's been a listener for a while, I think, but never actually made contact with us. But again, in January, she she sent us a, I don't know how you pronounce it, whether it'd be, I think it's Dana, D-A-N-A, Dana or Dana, probably Dana. Yeah. Uh, she sent us a message straight up and just said, are you guys all right? Much love from Vermont. Oh. And I just thought, that's so nice. Unbelievably kind. I sent a big message back saying thanks so much and we're good. And uh, we got into a big conversation there about about uh, where she works and all the sort of stuff she does. And uh, she sent me a little article on it and everything. But um, she said, oh, I'm sure she made a comment somewhere about, uh, you, yeah, your podcast is just the, the best thing. Um, living in the woods. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for sending us that message. Now I'm going to get to, I'll just quickly check somewhere else. Are you having a good time, Craig? I'm not boring you too much. 
Right. I'm I'm living the dream right here. It's all good. Thanks, yeah. mate. Oh, you get how many drinks in are you tonight? I had a, two beers. That's all right. I can't I can't keep an eye on you when I'm not there. It's yeah, dangerous. Yeah, you said <laughs> you said switch the camera off. So that's really <laughs> I did too. That's really Sick good. Of looking at it, if I don't have to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Craig, this one's great. Have you got um any uh have you got any oven mitts handy or an apron or some fire retardant clothing? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a shame uh, because you're just about to get roasted. Uh, what? <laughs> I love this so much. This is the best. Uh, it's great. Everybody <laughs> listening, if you can direct your roasting, Craig, this just makes life so much easier for me. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And Craig appreciates it as well. He doesn't say it, but he just really loves it. Yeah. He loves getting called out. Do you remember the name Ginger, Craig? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Did she hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she heard it. When you said uh, it on the podcast that uh, it goes out to thousands of people, she uh, heard it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So just to backtrack a bit, on a, a few episodes ago, Craig said, uh, and I quote, something like, what, what did you say? You said something I, I like, I didn't say oh, anything. I didn't you say did. anything. You did. You said... Something like, um, oh, we, we, of course I would slow down on the trail for old people. I didn't say that. Like, you did so. Dude, no. you can't even argue because people can just go back to the episode and listen to it. <laughs> I think, I think in fact, it was along the lines of me working with people and no, I, no, no, I no, since no. said no, retired. The first time, <laughs> no, the first time was when you were talking about trail running at that trail and you were asking me about trail etiquette, that's when you got yourself into trouble the first time. Yeah, it's possible. It's likely. And you said, oh, yeah, of course I'd slow down for old people. I old did grandmas. not. You did so. Yeah. And then <laughs> anyway, what did so she, she roasted. Oh, she already roasted you. Don't you remember? She oh. already told you. Oh, that, and that's um, why she wrote in. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's why she wrote in the yeah. first time. Yeah. Ginger wrote me another email after <laughs> you put your foot in it again in the last episode. All right. All right. I'm, I'm ready. I'm and ready. The last, the last episode was, you're correct. The last episode was when you said, oh, yeah, I work with old people. And, uh, <laughs> yep, she, she heard that as well, mate. She heard that as well. So, um. Ah, here we go, Craig. Let me read a few of the lines out from her email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, I've got to stop laughing. It's too good. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is. It's not. So good. what I like about it, she's giving me credit here. This is great. Thanks, Ginger. One of my favorite people that I write in. Hi, Tom. I did listen to the podcast while my boyfriend and I were driving to Arkansas. I think that's simply how you say it. After Christmas, uh, to hike to the high point of the state. Uh, just some more about this, Grandma Craig, in brackets. We're on the quest to get all the state's highest points. 
I've done 26 now, but I doubt I will get Denali. So, yeah, Craig, have you done 26 of the highest (laughs) points? You haven't even done that? Oh, okay, because this grandma has. Uh, Anyway, I'll move on. She says to me, not you, I loved how you handled the email. Glad <laughs> Can we stop? <laughs> Glad you liked uh, the skater story. Do you remember the story about the ice skater? That was fantastic. Go back and listen to that. I'm not going to tell it again. Uh, and she she says really, really cool stuff in her email. I'm not going to spoil all of the uh, email because it was written to me. But she 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 really thinks about what she says. Anyway, let's get to the good bits. But Craig definitely was in hot water and tried to escape. Hmm. <laughs> However, I understand what he was saying, and it, and it is so true. Good. Um. Yeah. Pretty funny. And anyway, oh. anyway, she goes on. She brings it up again, don't you, Ari? Ah. She makes some really good points there, and she can't wait till her granddaughters are old enough to put little small backpacks on and hike with her. Yeah. Um, and then she can teach them to carry grandma's <laughs> water bottle. <laughs> oh, uh, man. No, I, I actually, cool. yeah, did get in some hot water there, Ginger, and I felt pretty bad when I had to listen back to that too. And... <laughs> I'd actually repressed it since. Um... That, yeah. Okay. Well, don't don't apologise yet, mate. She hasn't she hasn't finished. Oh, no. She says. So, and I, this is verbatim. I'm not ad living this. I'm reading this word uh, for word right now, from. Uh, so tell Craig to watch the foot in his mouth, uh, even though he tried to pull it out. But those are my thoughts on the subject. <laughs> Uh, she does. She does go on to say, "I hope you all, and I think that does include you. I hope you all had wonderful holiday and uh, we're saying prayers for the end of the the horrible fires you're dealing with. Thank you, Ginger. I love it. I love it. Ginger's like the most real person that writes in. She sees straight through your facade, Craig. <laughs> she's she's got me pegged. That's for sure, man. Oh man, she's great. Oh. Thanks, Ginger." Wow, uh, that's so cool. All right. That's awful. Well, you... <laughs> <laughs> that's awful, Tom. Thanks, man. Oh, I felt bad enough. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Let me say this and, and honestly know that it's true. It's my absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. That was great. You know, the worst part about that is I've been saving that for months, man, because we keep saying we're going to, and I haven't been able to tell you about it. Uh, I wanted to grill you two months ago and and I wanted to ring you straight away and say, hey, Craig, let me read this email to you. And I thought, <laughs> no, 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 no. You get a hold of yourself, Tom. This is a slow burn joke and you need to say this one on air. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad it went so well for you, Tom. I'm really happy for you. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I'm really, I'm happy for myself. So appreciate it. All right, let's move on. Uh, keep coming, people. Uh, let's move on. You've got now. You've got time to write emails. You're sitting at home. Uh, write them. Tell um, us. Tell us. It's a new segment. What did no. Craig say wrong? It's a new segment. Write to me. 
Tell me what he said wrong. I can see. I, I can see the waveforms on the screen, man. I say I'm a lot less than you, and and somehow I still manage to stuff it up. Is that right? <laughs> Is that right? Is that right? It's it's a hundred percent, hundred percent true. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that I'm that I don't talk more than you. Oh, jeez. Just I just don't do that. I just don't do what you do. All right. All right. I- Hey, I just sent you a link in the in the chat that we were in. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Click on that. Watch it for a few seconds. I oh, want to hear your on. feedback. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. So while you get this ready, this is um, Matterhorn, uh, four thousand four hundred seventy-eight meter solo one-day trip that this guy, Dominic Socha or Socha does and it's a fantastic video goes for 43 minutes and you got time to watch it now check it out i'll I'll put the links in the show notes he climbs this crazy crazy mountain called the matterhorn craig have you got that link up yet you got that video up yeah i think you'll hear it should we should be playing it or not yeah, yeah, I don't think it matters. Yeah, it'd be fine. Um, but it's not so much what he says there, but it's just the bit that I've selected for you. Man. A few seconds in. That's wild. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yes. That's a scary Oh, yeah, so we're about halfway in. Uh, around the 19 minute mark on this video and I sent specifically sent that bit to Craig because he doesn't like heights and oh. he, he walks along the spine of this oh wow yeah oh Jesus that's that's scary yeah. stuff how's that for a solo trip though uh, I'm going to stop that now that's day trip wow he bumps it later on. He bumps into two climbers roped up and chained up, like yeah. fully roped up to the wall. He bumps into these other climbers and they've gone, oh, oh, you don't even, <laughs> you're just cruising around. So, yeah, full uh, full respect to you, Dominique. Uh, very impressed, mate. Mm. <laughs> very impressed. It makes for good footage, that's for sure. Yeah, he's got no fear, that's for sure. No, he certainly does not. That's a good one. Uh, have you ever heard of the Red Bull X Alps uh, competition? Um, mm, not sure. I'll take that as a no. It's really weird. It's these co- guys are kind of they call them adventure athletes, but I don't think that describes it very well. They're kind of like uh, well, they're all paragliders. Okay, you know those the mm. ones that you kind of sit in, float around. Yep. They're all paraglides, but they're also all kind of trail runners as well. So this race has only thirty-two competitors, which is understandable when you think that you need to be both an elite kind of trail runner or hiker and also an extremely experienced paraglider. They race from. Salzburg to Monaco and when you look at that on a map uh, it's 
about 860 kilometres, 534 miles uh, between those two points. They, it, it's a nine-hour drive and mm. it's a four-hour flight and these guys race that over a couple of days. But what they do, what, what makes it really – and the whole race is on – is on uh, Red Bull YouTube channel. I've I've watched it, and what's really weird about it is they'll start, they'll have a checkpoint, and then they'll take off. They got their packs on that obviously contain all of their gear, but they have to make educated decisions throughout the race of where is the best place to just hike through and try and make some distance, or if it's worth trying to spend time trying to get to the top of a ridge where they can actually launch and make some distance. But then there's the added kind of complexity of, well, there's no point spending a half a day getting to the top of a ridge if uh, it doesn't give you enough elevation to kind of get any further than you would have on foot, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's really complex. So it's way beyond way beyond my knowledge but uh, it was really interesting to watch these guys are just beasts real super fit running around with these packs on and then they'll just rig up and jump off the edge of this not not so much a cliff but like a in, jump into a massive valley and then try and get as milk as much out and and where it starts to get tricky is they'll lose they won't get enough height at the start because they're trying to rush because they're racing so um, they won't get enough height in the thermals and then they'll try and make distance, but they won't make as much distance. They'll fall short, but then the guy who spent an extra half an hour or an hour getting extra height overtakes him because mm. he, can, he can fly further. So it's really quite fascinating, possibly one of the, the weirdest sports uh, I've ever watched. Jeez. Apart no. from that ridiculous winter sport, where people ski around and shoot targets. <laughs> What's that? Have you seen that? Yeah. What's that called? I don't even know. It's got a weird name. Um, but, yeah, that's another ridiculous sport. No, I've never heard All of that. Right. That's that's a bit, you know, next level. Jeez. Yeah, it's real weird. It's real weird. But it's entertaining. That's what we're looking for. And the scenery, too. When you got to consider these guys are going through um, magnificent mountains and uh, obviously, there's a lot of fantastic aerial footage as well. So that's worth checking out. Uh, another YouTube video for you called Runner vs. Base Jumper. We've talked a lot about Kilian Jornet on the podcast before. He's an elite trail runner. Uh, he's won that Skyrunner series multiple times. He's a complete freak. So what he's done is they've started at the bottom of this mountain and then on each side of the mountain, I believe, and then they've raced to the top and back down. But one guy's a base jumper with a wingsuit, but he's not. You know, he's not Kilian Jornet, so he's not a experienced mountain runner, but he's real fit. And so these two take off down the bottom of this mountain and basically 
Kilian's trying to make as much ground as possible because he knows that once he reaches the summit and turns around and comes back down, he needs to be so far ahead of this, uh, so far ahead of the base jumper, right? So the only way he can win is by get, getting up so ridiculously quick to get back down. Mm. Let me just um, normally this is uh, so. Let me just say that Tom Eric Hyman is the uh, base jumper, and the name of the mountain is in Norway that they raced up and down called Rom Romsdalshorn Romsdalshorn something like that. All the Norwegians listening will laugh their heads off at my pronunciation. Uh, and there's a little footnote. When I was looking on Wikipedia, <coughs> there was a little footnote that said um, descent by rappel is recommended. So Killian runs up and down this thing just in a pair of shoes with a, a water bladder on his back. <coughs> Crazy. So. Absolutely crazy. And then let me give you some um, stats here. Killian's top speed was 18.3 kilometers an hour, 11.3 miles. Not bad. That was obviously on the way down. And Tom's top speed was 250 kilometers an hour, <laughs> 155 miles per hour. So you can imagine how much lead Killian yeah. would need because once that guy jumps off, gets his kid on and jumps off, he's 155 miles per hour past him. I'm not going to tell you who won that. You have to go watch it yourself. It's a pretty entertaining little video. It only goes for about 10 minutes or so. Well, we've lost Craig. I'm going to keep going, though. He doesn't listen to me anyway. <laughs> no, it's all right. I'm back. There's, <laughs> there's uh, a channel I discovered called, you know, it's, it's Sim, Simbra Bushcraft, C-I-M-B-R-E-R Bushcraft. He's a guy from Denmark, and he just cruises out into the most pristine forest and hangs out and, and just takes it easy. And the reason I really wanted to really wanted to include this is because it's a fantastic, quiet kind of you know these guys, Craig, that get out there and they just it's not they're not taking you out there to do running commentary on every single thing they do, uh, like we do. <laughs> they just go out and they just film get some beautiful cinematography, they light a fire and they just chill out there. And I just thought given the current status uh, of a lot of people not being able to get to their favourite spots uh, possibly at all, I think that you should definitely check out his video called Green Forest and basically, I don't know, just put it on the big screen, turn the volume up, you'll hear birds chirping all sorts of stuff mm. and and just watches absolutely gorgeous footage of him chilling out by the fire. It's like you're there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 really. And um so peaceful as well. And the tagline is wonderful day hike 
in amazing open green forest, making pancakes, coffee, and repairing my trousers. Spoiler alert, he does every one of those things. Really? <laughs> video. Yeah, he just sits there. He's got kind of like those oil skin pants and they've got a big tear in them. And he pulls out his sewing kit and he just sews them up. He does make his pancakes. He makes his coffee. And Craig, there's a little, uh, little, I'm going to send you this link as well. It's a bit especially for you. Let me just find it. Sorry. It's going to take a minute. You'll love this. Okay. Sorry, guys. It's the, uh, the beauty of us working remotely. Craig, pull up this video. It's set to start exactly where exactly where I want it to. Oh, yeah. For you. It's coming up, so we'll all be able to hear it. You want me to press play? Yeah, that's fine. Just press play on it. It's, Tell me when you start it. Here it goes. Yeah. Looks good. Well, talk us through it. What's he doing? He's doing up that little So do couch. you know why some oh, older men walk ad. like this? <clears throat> okay. Man. We've got an ad, two more Okay, before I tell you, I want to ask you something. Yep. When was that? Here it comes. Did tell me where you're at. Okay, he's got a little pouch, and he's, um, yep. he's got his up. kettle. He's yep. got his so cup, kettle. timber cup. Yep. Pouring himself up. a nice coffee. Mate, that looks yep. good. It's just brewed coffee. And a bit of whiskey. Hey. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Is that what you thought I'd like? I do like. I like. Yeah, I, <laughs> oh, I laughed my head off when I saw it. A little bit of whiskey in the coffee, eh? And he gives a, he gives a wink straight to camera. Yeah, he does what too. A, what a cracker. <laughs> now he's, he's having uh, his pipe. Yeah. Sitting there <laughs> smoking his pipe. What a legend, eh? Ah, oh, you can hear anyway, the bush so well. It's good. Yeah, yeah. There's 30 minutes of that pristine wilderness. And the good thing is that Simbra Bushcraft uh, has heaps of videos like that. So uh, once you get your teeth into this one, you can just go to his channel and uh, keep watching and watching if you feel a need. Mate, I'm going to keep watching now. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not interested in anything I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those sounds. See, that's why I've, I've been disappointed that we couldn't go out tonight and sort of yeah get get some of that get amongst it noise. yeah yeah hey i just realized i went straight into that uh matterhorn video without announcing this is tom's magical mystery media mashup oh yeah i'm, I'm out of touch yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm totally out of touch getting rusty hey i'll tell you what i have done i've read um i've read three books since we last spoke Jeez, well done on air I mean, I'm, I'm into my fourth as well, but I'll talk about that another time. So the first one I just wanted to mention, it's a bit of a strange one because it's not related to hiking or the outdoors, but I still think that I, in my head, I kind of picture a, a lot of the people that, listen to this podcast and I think that they have an appreciation for a broader uh, scope of reading than just 
like it doesn't just have to be about hiking all the time, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that some of them already read it. It's a book called Zen in the Art of Archery. It's uh, taglines, training the mind and body to become one. And it's written by a guy called Eugene Herrigal. This book is was written in 1953. And the author was living in Japan. And him and his wife at the time decided that they wanted to learn a little bit about Zen. Now, the interesting thing about um, Japan and Zen, I I lived there myself for quite some time, and they actually consider uh, things like archery to be an art form rather than just a pastime. Uh, Things like uh, calligraphy, is an art form that you can actually get, uh, essentially get a black belt in calligraphy. Hmm. To 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 put it that way, the same thing with flower arranging. You can actually become a master of flower arranging. So they take these things yeah. quite seriously. Tea ceremonies, that sort of stuff, they take them quite seriously, and and they follow a very strict patterns and routines. They do the same thing with archery. I had the pleasure of twice witnessing uh, Japanese archery when I lived there. Um, One time in particular was in the middle of this temple and just by chance we had to be having to be walking past this old cemetery and checking out all of the gravestones and then we we noticed these guys uh, in in this um, outdoor training area and we went and snuck a peek and sure enough they were they were shooting their bows it was fantastic like just completely silent they're just in their own little worlds but the reason i think that it's still a valid book to mention is just because of the i think there's the the philosophy and the way that they approach things and it definitely comes through in this book it's it's a really short read it's definitely worth reading. It's the sort of book that I would shove in my pack and take out on a hike and sit on a mountaintop or something and read it because I think that's the perfect environment to really absorb this. Mm. When you read it, you can imagine where the movies like Karate Kid have stolen ideas from because there's parts of this that are, uh, you know, extremely kind of – they stay, they read like a movie script, you know, but this is this is his take on the five years that he spent training with this master. It's pretty cool. Like it's it's deep. It's I'm not saying it's uh it's an easy read, but it definitely gets you thinking. If you like any of that sort of stuff, I'd put that as a, a slightly um weird one to throw in your pack and take out. Doesn't sound like it's got any pictures, man. It's got zero pictures. Yeah. The cover's got a picture. That's it. Probably go over my head. It's a short one, though, for you, Craig. You'd get through it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds uh, good. Here's an interesting one. And I am a fan of Stephen Ranella. He's a he's an outdoor author. I think this is the fourth or fifth book of his that I read. This one is called The Scavenger's Guide to Haute Cuisine. 
and it's how I spent a year in the American wild to recreate a feast from the classic recipes of French master chef Escoffier. This this book was not what I expected at all. I I thought it was actually going to be a, a more of a, more of a cookbook, and he most certainly does go into a lot of the preparation and the cooking of wild game. But at the same time, he takes you on an amazing journey through. He basically spends a year uh, going and getting all of this wild game that fits into the recipes of this French, this French chef. Uh, now, this French chef, Craig, just to put it in context, he he was a very famous chef, and then I can't remember if it was World War One or World War Two uh came to be and he got recruited to cook for the troops now what he would do he would say to the troops because they were low on on rations and or any kind of food and they they on the front lines they couldn't really carry or transport things he'd say well, just bring back anything and i'll cook it so just bring back anything so these guys were coming back leading um goats into camp um geese just any animals they could find mm-hmm. um i apologize to people listening who, who don't partake in meat but uh it's really quite interesting um they even one time they led a horse in to camp right. and uh so this guy this guy goes and and finds a way to to make everything absolutely amazing and people would rave about you know his cooking so what Stephen Renella did was he quite literally picked he wanted to do over three nights he wanted to do 50 courses uh and have his friends around and have a big massive event and this book is the memoirs of collecting finding researching and collecting every single ingredient but the stories mate the stories it's it's not about the cooking or the food it's just the the absolute amazing way that he can put together Mm. paragraphs and just make them come to life things that i've never even heard of and he'll just make them come to life Listen to this bit. You're a fisherman. You'll like this bit. Mm-hmm. This is the way he kind of tells the story, and it just just blows me away. When I'm reading stuff like this, I'm picturing it. I'm there, and I can get every detail. The halibut on the end of Danny's line first appeared as a distant white flash, deep beneath beneath the Diligus. That's the name of their boat, an aluminium landing craft that brings to mind the assault boat featured in the movie Apocalypse Now. The fish was moving so fast through the water that it vanished beneath the hull as quickly as a spring-loaded window shade has been pulled down and released. I'd been leaning out over the gunwale, watching carefully for the fish's emergence. In the days I spent up in Sultry Cove, Alaska, fishing with my brother Danny and his buddy Ron, I'd taken a great interest in the visual trickery of things rising from the depths of the ocean. Whether we were cranking up a shrimp trap or a fish on a line, I enjoyed the moment when the ascending object first came into view beneath the boat 
it happened in a surprising, beautiful way. And I would catch myself holding my breath as I waited for that initial glimpse. That's poetry, dude. Jeez, did Steve write that himself, Renal? Yeah, yeah. Steve's fifth book or something. Actually, this is one of his, I think this is his first book of about five. Right, because I've heard about some of his books, and it's mainly just just game um, foods yeah. that he well, cooks up. But and... no, 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 no. It's mainly just him. Um, the you know the pursuit of get one one the one called American Bison or American Buffalo is he found a skull. His brother found a skull, and they ended up getting it. Um, getting it carbon dated and it and it was from so far back oh, it wasn't cool. funny and so then he goes out um you know chasing these bison through the landscape but through that like that sounds like a pretty you know maybe a simple story but through that hmm. he takes you on about three different journeys he's talking to paleontologists he's talking to yeah. scientists and then he's out there researching himself and then he's walking through the wilderness tracking bison. It's just pure uh oh the storytelling is beautiful and uh I hope I did that one justice. Mm-hmm. That that's just one of many, many, many paragraphs that just uh kind of just capture my imagination. Hmm. That's good. an absolute winner, guys. Yeah. Last but not least, this one here, you know those uh, kind of, what are they called? What are those travelers' guides called? The um, Lonely Planet. Yep, yep. Lonely Planet guides have been around forever and they've, they've, I guess they're very good at what they're meant to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that is... Uh, I guess quite literally a guide to all of the places to go, um, population, customs, currencies, weather, all sorts of things. It's very data-driven, and I do own one or two of them, but I never really seem to get much out of them because I find that after a little while that it's just all sort of statistics and numbers, and it's it's not really telling me anything about the place. <clears throat> so... I found this book called Nepal True Stories of Life on the Road and it's part of a Traveller's Tales Guides series. When I saw it, it was in the same section. It was secondhand. It cost me a whole $2. It's still got it written inside the cover. I'm looking at it now. It cost me 2 bucks, and it was in the same section as all of those kind of guides about you know all different countries. and. I remember looking at it and I wasn't even going to pick it up. Uh, and I thought, oh, I just, I really do have a fascination with Nepal. I'd love to read a bit about it. And then when I picked this book up and started flicking through it, I realized, first of all, it's got no pictures, so it's useless for you. <laughs> but second of all, it was a collection of heaps and heaps and heaps of short stories, but not any kind of. They're all true stories, but not any – it just wasn't that typical guide. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to grab this and check it out. Well, it didn't take me long. Literally, the first story totally uh, had my attention. 
as did the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And what's beautiful about this book is it's written by so many different uh, so many different people that you're getting this view of Nepal that you would never, ever, ever, ever get in any other kind of publication. And what I mean by that is one, one uh, writer, for example, was something like a 61-year-old lady. Now, you don't know this when you start and you read the stories. You, you kind of find it or you work it out during it or you find out at the end. Uh, so it was a 61-year-old woman and then another one was a young guy and then another one was a, uh, <clears throat> a kind of an engineer who worked over there. So every single person was there for a completely different reason. They weren't all there to climb mountains. They weren't all there to do um, charity work. Like everyone had a different reason for being there. And when you start getting this uh, different view from males, females, young, old, uh, of all different races as well. So there's there's Nepalese stories in here as much as there's English people writing German, U.S. So the the cross section of uh, of writers that have put this together makes it just so much better. I just can't say enough good things about it. What's also really cool about the way they've put it together is stories are short anyway to start with but then as you're reading through you'll they'll just have this little paragraph jammed in the side and that'll be a little paragraph taken from someone else's book so you end up with these paragraphs that you read while you're reading another short story and then when you get to the end of every chapter they'll have a super short story of about two paragraphs it just doesn't stop every single story's cool. There's ones about <clears throat> people hanging out at temples. There's ones about people whitewater rafting. There's there's hikers. There's mountain climbers. There's sherpas. It's so cool, Greg. Sells definitely sells Nepal better than a lonely planet, eh? Yeah. Oh, mate, any day. Like yeah. you read this book and you say, right, when are we going? Because yeah, you're really getting an insight into. You know, there's people here that are that are staying in um, in little houses with these yeah. these guys. I, I, I mean, there's so much here. I could. I don't want to read uh, every damn thing because I'd literally be doing a six-hour podcast on all the cool bits of this book. Really? Well, I, I will try and read this uh, this little piece here. And I'll tell you the other thing too. Out of this book. I've written down at least two other books that I've loved the writer's short story so much. I actually want to go and purchase the full book of theirs. Really? Because, yeah, yeah, because the way they speak. And it, this does kind of remind me of that Stephen Ranella book in the way that the, this one particular, particular guy called James O'Reilly has written a book called Stairway to Heaven, which I really want to get my hands on. And uh, it's it's about Nepal. And I just want to read you this real quick. <clears throat> Groaning with muscle aches after long days of hiking to Mercantath and returning along the Kali River, I had the good fortune one day to fall in behind Kaysang, the younger of our two Sherpa helpers. 
feet clad in crumbling sneakers, he walked with a lantern swinging from one hand, at such an unvarying pace that we called him the human metronome. I followed two feet behind him, and after an hour of unwittingly mirroring his rhythm, fell into timelessness. I lost all sense of physical discomfort. Up became the same as down, and was traversed at the same speed. I had nothing to do but enjoy the view, as though I was inside a well-muscled android. That's cool. Yeah. That caught my attention. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, let me just see if there's one more. So yeah, that's that's definitely going to be a book I'm going to because that's not just the only paragraph of his throughout this book. There's about th- another three paragraphs from hmm. from um, that book, and I definitely want to get it. There's another one uh, by a guy called Pete Peter Matheson, and I'm sure a lot of people would know this. It's called the Snow Leopard, mm-hmm. and Again, there's about two or three paragraphs of Snow Leopard throughout this book, and he's just totally captured my imagination. In the clearness of this Himalayan air, mountains draw near, and in such splendor, tears come quietly to my eyes and cool my sunburned cheeks. This is not mere soft-mindedness, nor am I all that silly with the altitude. My head has cleared in these weeks, free of intrusions, male, telephones, people and their needs, and I respond to things spontaneously without defensive or self-conscious screens. Still, all this feeling is astonishing. Not so long ago, I could say truthfully that I had not shed a tear in 20 years. There you go. Hmm. On that note, mate, how can I top that? (laughs) I think... I don't know how easy it is to get that book. I actually did look for it, and uh, it seems like you can still pick it up um, quite easily through the usual channels. That's what I worry about sometimes when I get these fantastic books from these secondhand stores. I think I better be careful what I'm recommending because maybe it's not in print anymore, but that one most certainly is. So Mm -hmm. get your hands on that if you're interested in Anything about Nepal, you're going to love that book. Special read. Hey, listen, do they have anything on other sort of areas of the world as well? Or I don't know. It's a really good question, and I haven't had time to research. My assumption is that that would be 100% correct. Possible. In that, um, well, actually, I'm just looking in the back of the book, and it most certainly is the case because cool. the same companies made Traveller's Tales France India, Mexico, Spain. Hmm. So, oh, wow, there's heaps. Hong Kong, San Francisco, Brazil, Thailand. So my assumption is that all of those are written in the same way and that they've got a multitude of travel writers together and jammed them all into one book. So once you've read the Nepal one, you might want to go ahead and buy another six books on other countries you're interested in. (laughs) A bit dangerous, that one, eh? Yeah. drags you into a lot of uh, spending. Yeah, sounds good though. Yeah, I did uh, I did buy up about three or four good books recently and uh, the, what was it? Zen and the Art of Archery was the first one I read. Then I read 
um, I'm into my second one. I've still got another two after that. So I'm stocked. I'm ready, ready for lockdown, ready for reading about awesome <laughs> places. <laughs> yeah. Man, unless you got anything to add, I'm going to let these poor people get back to their lives. All right. Okay, cool, man. Well, thanks, man. You've been an awesome guest, by the way, Tom. Oh, thanks. It's always been my um, my wish, my dream <laughs> to get on to one of the greatest any, podcasts, any podcast. on the planet. But yeah, this... any podcast, but one of the greatest ones. And maybe one day I will get on one of the greatest podcasts <laughs> in the world. No, no, there's still time. Step, there's still time. Stepping stones. Yeah, I'll start with this one. I'll yeah. be telling people about this. What did you do yesterday? <laughs> ah, you know, just a guest on a podcast. Yeah. Nothing big. No. <laughs> but anyway, here's a link if you want to listen to it. I mean, you should really listen to it. <laughs> that's been that's been uh, good. That's been great. <laughs> you you got anything to add before I sign off, mate? No, mate. Just make sure everyone's looking after themselves at the moment. And I think this might be um, something we'll have to do a few times. These sort of remote options and yeah, yeah I think it was all right. It was good fun tonight. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Wasn't too bad. I was a bit worried about, uh, yeah, you know, just the dynamics of it, but wasn't too bad. This is not the most comfortable place jammed under this bunk bed, but maybe I'll try and make improvements for next time. I'm just glad we got it done. Yeah, I, I can hear uh, little bits of noises in your in your in your headphones. It, it could be you playing Lego. I'm not sure, but um, that's okay. Yeah, right? it could be. It could be that. It could be. Me reading uh, uh, one of these cool books, How to Train Your Dragon, <laughs> or tripping over the drone that's under this table. Yeah, there's stuff everywhere here. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I just, yeah, so I probably want to add to everyone, thanks, thanks for writing to us, checking in on us. You know, maybe you didn't do any of that. Maybe you just thought of us. That's great. Or you've continued to support us by listening to us. Uh, we do appreciate it. And we, yeah, I just, same as Craig, I just want everyone to to look after themselves, look after your friends and family. And we are all, if, if, this, is, if this has proved anything, we are all part of the same planet. And we have different cultures, borders, rules religions and whatever but really i think that hikers out of everybody i've met people that spend time outdoors tend to bridge those gaps better than anybody and uh yeah we we do share the same planet and i know that everyone out there that listens to this uh is um is hoping that we all get out of it safely so mm. take care everybody well said mate Thank you, mate. See Look you guys. yourself too, eh? You too. Okay, All cheers. Right. See you guys. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.